This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Turn with me in your Bible, if you got one with you, to the book of John. The John is found in the New Testament. It's the fourth book in the New Testament, if you're new to the Bible. If you're really new to the Bible, we're going to have it up on the screen, so don't feel bad about that in any way. We're going to go to chapter 8. And we're starting a new series here at Nova uh, called Seven. And this series is about the seven different times that Jesus says, I am fill in the blank. Last week we talked about I am bread. This week we're talking about I am light, uh, the light of the world in, in specific. And what is happening here is, is there's a scene in the Old Testament, this guy named Moses is having a conversation with God about going and setting the Israelites free from Egypt. And in this conversation, Moses is a little bit nervous. He's feeling a little bit like worried. He's like, I can't do that, God. Who, who would I even say has sent me? And God says, tell them I am has sent you. That's like the most baller thing. It's just, I am. Yep, that's it. That's all you got. I am what I am. So God sends Moses and he says, tell the Israelites, I am. And this becomes the name of God. And so when Jesus is saying this, it, he's making kind of an audacious claim. He's actually saying, well, yeah, this is, this is who I am. And he's breaking down these different facets of who God is, his character and nature. And so today we're going to be looking at, I am the light of the world. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right, so John 8, verse 12, says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will never, say never, turn to your neighbor, say never, walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Would you pray with me just as from the outset of this message? Father God, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to come into this place. Lord, we thank you for the breath in our lungs. God, we thank you that we live in this great city and that we have the opportunity to build your kingdom here. Father, I pray that as we dig into your word today, as we discover what it is that you are speaking to us, that my words would fall to the floor, but that your words would take root in people's hearts. God, that we would not be able to shake it or ignore it, but that we would hear what it is that you're speaking. And God, we pray for the raptors. God, help them defeat the warriors in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We can agree with that. You know, I'm just wondering, how many of you know how disorienting it is to be in a really dark room? All right? Does anyone know that feeling? Maybe the lights go off and you didn't expect it, or maybe you had to walk across the room and turn off the switch, and then you turn around and you're like... Oh, no. And if you're a new parent, you definitely know this, right? Like, if you're, if you're a parent of kids, you remember those days. In my life in particular, we, we have uh, a 22-month-old son. His name's Leo. He's the cutest kid ever. No offense to all you other parents, but you're wrong. Um, and uh, we, we, like, he was just a terrible sleeper, just an awful sleeper. Like, the first couple months of his life, it was, I would say, annoying um, it was good he was so cute. It's kind of one of those things where you're like, I love you with all of my heart, but please stop. Like, please stop crying. Please stop making noise. And after a couple months of being woken up every two hours, you start to lose perspective on the world, all right? You just start to go a little bit crazy. Does anyone, anyone relate to this? Any parents in the house today? All the kids are like, I don't get it, man. Whatever. You didn't sleep at one conference. You can, you can just wait. But we had this routine with Leo, and, and we tried everything, all right? We tried, 
you know, the, the cry it out method. Who, who, who like used the cry it out method? And everyone's like, you just got to do it. You just got to do it. And we were like, okay, we're just going to do it. And so we like psych ourselves up. We're like, all right, kid, we love you, but you're going to have to just cry, right? We put him down in the crib and he's like, this is what happens. You go and you turn on the nightlight and you go and you turn on the little noise machine, right? And it's just the worst. And then we turn off the big light. Does anyone call it the big light? What a funny way to describe the overhead light, the big light. So we turn off the big light, and we get Leo into the crib, and as soon as we put him down, it's like he realizes, you're trying to kill me, right? And he's like, ah! And you're just like, what is that noise? I didn't even think he could hit that frequency. What is happening right now? And so we're like, okay, we're just gonna, we're just gonna do it. We close the door, we walk away, and from the hall, it's like, ah! you're like, oh my gosh. And after five minutes, you're like, okay, let's just go in and pat his back, right? And you go in and he's looking at you. He's just got these big tears and his pajamas are all wet and his, his like little crib sheets are all wet. And you're like, oh, little buddy. Okay, I'm not going to pick you up. I'm just going to rub your back. And then he's like looking at you like, he's trying to kill me even harder now. Like what is happening? Stop it, right? And so like eventually we're just like, okay, this isn't working. It's been four hours. It's just time, right? So we pick Leo up and I have this little routine. We turn off all the lights in the house except one, the stove light, right? We go over to the stove. We flip on the stove light. We put on the fan. And I would hold Leo like this and I would sing Sleepy Time Down South by Louis Armstrong, you know? And I'm like, now the pale moon's shining. And he's looking at me like, and then he'd have moments of, he's trying to kill me, right? And he screams again. You're like, no, 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 come on. And you're trying to talk softly. And Emma's like, Matt, I'm just wondering, where did you put this? I'm like, now is not the time, my dear. And you're like talking in your golf announcer voice. You know what I'm talking about? And then eventually I'd get him to sleep. And I was like, okay, it's happened, right? And I turn around and I start walking through the kitchen. And inevitably, when it's too dark, you just hit something. And it's like, and you're like, and then he looks and goes, you're trying to kill me, right? And you're like, no, we're not trying to, and he starts screaming again. And this happens repeatedly, all right? And if you're one of those people that's sitting there like, well, why don't you just clean your floor? Please, stop, all right? Sleep deprivation knows no bounds. So we were like, you know, trying to go in and inevitably, like, we got really, really tough feet at the end of it because you're like stepping on stuff and you're like, <laughs> and you're just like, just grin and bear it. It's still in your foot. You're like hobbling. And eventually you get him down in the crib. And if he goes to sleep, if he goes to sleep, you have an hour, right? Like it's, it's, it was just brutal. But so eventually we, we finally got into a rhythm. We managed to let him cry it out. And by the way, those people who are just like, well, have you tried letting him cry it out? It's like when you get a headache and someone's like, have you tried Tylenol? You're like, Yes, we have tried crying it out, okay? And since you're sleep deprived, your filter is gone. And so you're like, hey, have you tried shut it up? And they're like, oh. and you're like, I'm sorry, grandma. That was so mean. I apologize, right? But you just, you can't help it, all right? It's a, it's a guttural instinct. But it's amazing how in a dark room you get completely disoriented. When the lights are on, there's absolutely no way that I'm stepping on a Hot Wheel. That's not, that's not gonna happen. When the lights are on, I'm probably not going to bang my shin off of a coffee table and wake my screaming child up. That's not going to happen. But when the lights are off, we get disoriented. We lose bearing on where we are. I'm sure many of us have had the experience where at night you turn off the light and you're walking into bed and you just catch the edge of the bedpost. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, oh, that was a really bad one. And your wife is like, just suck it up. Come on, man. It's your toe. And you're like, no, I think it's broken. And then she's like, no, it's not. And then a week later, your nail falls off and you're like, ha, <laughs> it was bad, right? And you're like, that's disgusting. Yes, it is. That's my life, all right? Thank you. But there's something so disorienting 
about the lights being off. And you know, when it comes to life, we can experience that. That disorienting feeling like we're groping around in the dark, like we're stumbling around and we're, we're just lost in the dark. And I'm not just talking about it in like a physical sense. Like obviously we've, we've covered some of those examples ad nauseum. But I'm talking about spiritually, emotionally, physically. No, not physically. <laughs> spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. I'm talking about when it feels dark in your life spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. And you just feel lost. You feel confused. You feel like you just don't have any purpose or vision. Like maybe it's the kind of thing where you're like, I just don't understand why that person hasn't, hasn't called me back. Like I don't understand why, why we stopped being friends. You just feel like you're like one step behind. You just feel confused. You're just walking in the dark. Or maybe it's the kind of thing where you just don't feel like you have purpose in your life. Like you got a fine job. You got kids. You know, like things are going well in life, but there's just this weird sense that you're like, man, what am I even... What am I doing with my life? Like, why am I here? Or maybe a more serious side of darkness spiritually is, is sin. Like maybe you've been coming to church for a little while, right? Like maybe you're, you're a Christian and you're like, man, I've been going to church for 15 years and still I just feel like I'm stumbling around with sin. And like, you know, sometimes I even, I, I, I find myself wanting to sin. And I know I shouldn't, but, but I do. Or maybe it's actually even more serious than that, and it's slavery to sin. Where it's not even just like a sin that you do every once in a while. And, and I don't even need to go into too much detail because I'm willing to bet that you've already thought of an example. That thing you can't stop watching, that thing you can't stop doing. And you try, but as soon as that temptation comes, you're like, oh man, I know I'm going to, and you just sort of feel like spiritually, you're just waiting to hit the coffee table with your shin. You're just waiting to stub your toe. You're just waiting to step on the hot wheel and be in pain. Has anyone ever had this experience where you feel like you're stumbling around in darkness? And then we go and we read this verse, right? And Jesus being all chipper, you know, the savior of the world is like, hey, if you follow me, you'll never walk in darkness. And you're like, well, that's not my experience, Jesus. I've been following you for years and I feel very in darkness. There's this thing, in fact, it almost feels like it's getting worse, Jesus. And like, I'm trying to follow you. I come to church, I lift my hands, I do the thing, but I still feel... As if I'm falling in darkness, I'm stumbling around, and I'm just saying, what is the story? And the crazy thing is, this is, a, this is a significant juncture in our faith. Because we get to this point where Jesus says, if you follow me, you will never walk in darkness. And then we look at our experience and go, well, that doesn't line up. And this is the important part. Do we go, well, then God, change me so that I line up with your word. Or do we go, well, God's word doesn't line up with my experience, therefore it's invalid. And I know that's heavy, but sometimes, really honestly, we're like, well, that's easy for you to say, Jesus, you're the son of God, okay? And that's easy for your disciples because they were actually walking with you and talking with you, right? That, that's easy for you to say because, because you were perfect, but, but God, you just don't understand. In, in my life, it's, it's not worth that. My experience is, is not the truth that you're saying. And so I'm going to take my experience. I know he said that we would never walk in darkness, but I guess 
And this is a dangerous one. Jesus, I guess, isn't strong enough. Or we say something like, I, I guess it just doesn't work that way. It's a different process. Or we say something like, Jesus is just being idealistic, all right? Like when he told us to be perfect, right? But the problem is that what this actually starts to do is decay our value of Scripture and the Word of God. And we actually start to see Jesus as like a good teacher, but not exactly our Lord. And this is a critical error that we have. And if that's what you're feeling this morning, I want to encourage you, that is wrong. Your feelings are not fact. Feelings are not facts. And just because you feel something does not make it true. Just because you feel like you're walking around in darkness does not mean that you should. And one of the dangers that we can have in Christianity is like, well, I've been struggling with the same thing for 12 years, so that's just the way it is. Thank God that I'm forgiven. And Jesus is like, oh, that's kind of undervaluing the cross. Oh, I died so that you could be free, not just so that I could forgive you. I'm the light of the world. I'm not the flashlight for you to kind of like not mess up too bad by. He is the light of the world. If that's where you find yourself this morning, there's absolutely no judgment, but let's just bring some correction to this. Just because you feel like nothing has changed in your life despite your hard work doesn't mean that Jesus can't rescue you from it. In Genesis 1, right from the beginning of the Bible, it says this. So Genesis 1, we're going to look at it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, look at, look at this. This is, this is important. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We can just pause right there and say that if you feel like you're in darkness, if you feel like nobody understands, the Spirit of God is still with you. The Spirit of God does not leave despite darkness. He's not like, oh, that's a little too dark for me. The Spirit of God is with you. He is prompting you. He is guiding you, and he is working on your behalf to bring you into the light. And then it says this, We'll keep going there, Jeremy, or Shane, whoever's back there. No, next one. I'll just read from here. All good. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Darkness is hovering, is covering the deep, and the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. And then God, with one word, says, let there be light, and the darkness flees. Right from the start of creation, the way that the ancient Hebrews would have understood this is that darkness could also mean chaos. Chaos was reigning in creation. And then God says, no, let there be light. And he brings order to chaos. Now, if you know anything of the, of the story of the Bible, great. If you don't, here's a quick synopsis. God creates everything and it is very good. And then humanity decides they want to do it their own way and rebel against God. They actually go against what God told them to do. And the fallout of this is something that we call sin. Now, we hear sin, and we're like, oh, that makes me a bad person. And, like, sin is like that dirty thing that dirty people do. But sin is simply missing the mark of God. Sin is simply when you miss the perfection of God on your life. God has a perfect plan for you. And when we fall outside of that, when we do things that God says, don't do that, that's hurting you, that's called sin. But sin does not make you a terrible person. It just, it just makes you a person. And the problem with sin is that sin is corrosive in your life. Sin is actually destructive to you. And so if you're in this place and you're like, well, I can hold sin in this hand and I can hold my faith in this hand, you're, you're actually deceiving yourself. 
Because the truth is that sin is eating away at you. Romans says that the, the uh, wages of sin is death. That's not to say like God punishes you with death for your sin, but actually your sin kills you. Sin is killing us. And all through the story of human history, we see humanity trying to figure this out. We see them trying to like get back with God. And even though light won in the beginning of creation, it starts to look like darkness is creeping in. The nation of Israel starts to experience these terrible kings that are doing terrible things like sacrificing their own children to keep other gods happy. And right when it seems like there's no hope, this cat named Isaiah, yeah, that's right, he's a cat, cool cat. He writes this amazing passage in Isaiah chapter 9. And he starts talking about a time when there would be no need for warriors, where there would be no war. There would be this, this one who comes who is called Wonderful Counselor, who is called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then right at the beginning of that little passage, he says this in verse 2, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And you got to understand what this would be like to the original reader. They'd be like, so you're saying there's a chance, right? Like all of a sudden there's hope. There's this moment where you're like, wait a minute, we might be okay after all. Because someone is going to come who is going to be this everlasting father, this mighty, mighty counselor, the prince of peace. And he's going to be a light. And then they waited. And they waited. Flash forward to John chapter 1. And John starts by his, his gospel by saying this. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Notice how similar that is to Genesis. Almost as if when Christ comes, the reset button gets pushed. A new creation. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. If you're in this place this morning and you've started think, thinking and believing, well, maybe my darkness is too dark for Jesus, you're wrong. Let me tell you some truth. The darkness has not overcome the light. Light wins. Jesus wins. And when he went to the cross, he won it all, and he took it all for us. Flash forward to Jesus standing in a crowd of Pharisees who have just dragged a woman out who's, who's found in the act of adultery, most likely not wearing much clothes. And shit, they're all just standing around shaming her. They're picking up stones about to kill her, and they're trying to trap Jesus. They're like, Jesus, what should we do? The law says that we need to kill her. What do you think we should do? And it's kind of one of those situations where he's like, if I, if I stone her, I look merciless. But if I go against the law, then I've gone against the law. So what does Jesus do? He just bends down, starts writing in the sand, and they're like, what, what are you doing? He's like, oh, you know, let he who is blameless cast the first stone. And one by one, starting with the oldest, all the way down to the youngest, they drop their stones and walk away. And Jesus is just still just writing in the dirt. And he looks up and goes, oh, daughter, where, where are your accusers? Is there no one to condemn you? And she's like, nope, they're all gone. And Jesus could be like, oh, well, I'm perfect, so uh, I condemn you. Boom, right? And sometimes that's what we think God is like. Seriously. 
But that's not what Jesus does. He goes, oh, I don't condemn you either. But then he says something very interesting to this woman who was caught in adultery. Go and sin no more. What? No, <laughs> Jesus, she's a sinful woman. Do you realize how hard that is? And he's like, yeah, I know, but I'm going to make a way. I, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you will never walk in darkness. And that's how the transitions to standing in front of this crowd of Pharisees who are like, who the stink do you think you are? And he's like, oh, me? I'm the light of the world. And as soon as Jesus said that, you need to understand in a Jewish culture, the way that they passed down scripture was orally. They didn't write it down. So they would actually recite scripture to each other. And when a rabbi would say, say to me in the beginning, his students would go, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1. And they would have to go through the entire passage. So when Jesus says, oh, I'm the light of the world, instantly their minds will go back to Isaiah 9 and they go, this guy's saying he's the Messiah. He's saying he's the one that we've been waiting for. Who do you think you are? And he's like, I just told you, the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Light wins over darkness. And right about now is where some people are going, then why isn't it working? If light wins over darkness, why am I still struggling, Matt? Like, why, why am I still having a hard time with things? Why am I still unable to say no to that thing that I know I need to say no to? And the question is this. Let's look at this verse very, very carefully. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Now, we understand following Jesus as like, I have given mental assent to him, and I believe that he is who he says he is, therefore I'm following but to follow a rabbi would mean that you take on the lifestyle, you take on the attributes, you start to live like that person. What Jesus is saying is if you start to live like me, if you start to become like me, then you will never walk in darkness. You need to follow me because I'm the light. And where I go, darkness cannot be. And I want to ask the question, maybe some of us in this place, and myself included, come to Jesus and we're like, oh God, thank you for all your forgiveness. That's just amazing. And uh, I'll see you next Sunday. Why am I in darkness? You know, Jesus, I went to church. What is happening here? And we walk in on Sunday and we're like, okay, let's just bring all this stuff to Jesus. Awesome. Thank you for your forgiveness, God. That's amazing. See you next Sunday. Or, or maybe you take it one step further and you're one of those people that's like, no, no, no. I do my devotions. I do all that sort of stuff. I spend time in prayer. Like, I, I, I do that. But maybe if we're being a little bit honest with each other, we're like, well, God, God, you bless me. And so what I put my hand to, you do. No, you follow me and bless me. But that's not how it works either. See, we don't just come to God, and then when he's like, all right, now come with me, we're like, I'm just going to stay here, and I'll see you next week. And we don't come to God and go, God, thank you so much. Now, come on, let's go, Jesus. I got important stuff to do for your kingdom. <laughs> or maybe... Maybe you're in this place and you just have no context for that at all. And that's okay. We're glad that you're here. But I believe that there are three stages that we need to embrace if we want to step into the light. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That means that you are made to have the best kind of life that you can live. That word abundantly actually means exceeding in quality to other types of life. Exceeding in quality. 
We are meant to have amazing lives if we are following Jesus. So step one, let the light in. And this is probably like what I call the scary stage, all right? Because the idea of letting light into a dark place can do some weird things. I remember one time, as I was going to college, the day before I left for Australia, I had a bunch of friends over, and we had a bonfire in my backyard. And maybe like four hours into it, one of my friends had given me a pack of 2,000 sparklers, all right? And so we were like, well, this is fun. I wonder what we could do with these. And so we start, we got a couple sparklers going, and then one of my friends goes, what if we tie them together? What do you think would happen? And I was like, let's find out, right? Because I'm like 18, and who needs arms? This is great. So we like got 200 sparklers, and we shoved 200 spark, like it was huge, man. Like we put it in the ground and we're like, how are we going to light this thing? So we, we stuck one sparkler a little higher than the rest and we're like, you know, light it. And then we run. And as this thing is like going down, we're like, I wonder what's going to happen. I kid you not, when it hit, it was like there was a nuclear explosion in front of me. My eyes went completely white. I was like, oh, right? It was daylight in every direction. It was the brightest thing that I have ever seen aside from the sun. And so I had to look away. Like I could not look at it. And when I was looking away, I'm like, oh my goodness, what is happening? I realized there's a lot of pop cans over there. Oh, and there's a bunch of bags of chips. Oh, and there's hot dog wrappers. It's disgusting down here. But in the firelight, I couldn't see it. It was only when the light came in that I could see it clearly. So I did what every good son would do. I packed my bags and left for Australia. <laughs> I was like, thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> right? No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I cleaned up, I promise. No, I didn't. But it was too dark to see with the firelight. And we, you know, sometimes we just don't like to admit our mess. We don't like to admit that we have sin. We like to come into this place and we like to be like, no, <laughs> what do you mean I'm not struggling what would I even be struggling with at this point in my Christian walk? I'm pretty much Jesus, right? And our family knows if I get around my wife and I'm like, do I sin? She's like, oh, buddy, do you sin? <laughs> don't say anything, Em. It's fine. But, you know, we don't want to put that in our Instagram story. We don't want that in our Christmas card. We don't want people to see our sin. We don't even want God to see our sin. And so sometimes when it comes to a service like this and we're talking about the light of Christ, we're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Pastor, you're supposed to be encouraging me up there, not talking to me about sin, all right? That's a little bit heavy. Mind lightening it up? Well, I plan to encourage you this morning, but the thing is that we really need to understand grace. You see, because grace, I heard it said once that the wrath of God is leaving us in our sin, but the grace of God is exposing it to take us out of it. And sometimes we think the wrath of God is like, oh, I got caught for something, or it came to the, to the surface that I was doing something wrong. God is like mad at me right now. No, God's like, no, I love you, but that sin is killing you, and I want it out. And sometimes we need to just allow the light of God to come in and convict us of our sin. Not because we're terrible people, but because we don't want to die. We don't want our sin to be killing us. The question is, like, are we, just, are we tired of like, stumbling around through the dark, waiting for the next thing in life to take us out? Jesus came to set us free of that. We're made to be set free of that. And the thing is this, that Jesus went to the cross. He wasn't going to the cross just so that we could get forgiven. He was going to the cross so that we could be free. When he went to the cross... He, he was not just dying so that we could ask God for like these small things to be taken away from us. 
He was going to the cross so that we don't need to suffer from addiction, so that we don't need to suffer from depression, so that we don't need to suffer and, and be subject to all of these things that seek to control our life. He went to the cross so that we could live in the light and live free. He went to the cross so that we could have freedom. And here's the, here's the, the second step, if you're taking notes, because it kind of leads to each other. We need to be following the light. You see, sometimes we come to God and we experience the light. We let the light in. We realize that we need a Savior. We realize that we need Jesus. But then we, we stop moving. And we just kind of keep coming back to this point where we go, God, I need your forgiveness. I, I, need you to, I need you to do something in my life. But the truth is that Jesus is saying, follow me. Follow me. To those who follow me, they will never walk in darkness. And sometimes we struggle with this step. We let the light in, we take the forgiveness, but then a couple months of following Jesus, maybe even years, we're like, why am I still struggling with this same habit? In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, in the message, it says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I think if we're being honest, we all want that kind of life. But it starts with following. It starts with when Jesus asked Peter to follow him, he says, leave your nets. When Jesus asked Matthew to follow him, there's an expectation that he leaves his tax booth. When he calls us to follow him, he says, pick up your cross and follow me. It means that sometimes we just need to go, you know what, God, I'm in it for whatever you want because I want the life that you have on offer. I want to come after you. So we need to be following the light. And here's the thing. For some of you here, you come into this place, you experience the light of Christ, and some of you, and these are the annoying people, like my friend Lewis, they're like, "Woo! all right, we discovered Jesus. This is amazing. All right, I'm going to Bible college next year. This is great. Look, I'm following, right? And you're like, dude, he's like sprinting. That's incredible. And some people, you know, they come in, they like come to accept Jesus. They're like, yes, I believe Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And for them, it's more like this pace. They're like, yeah, I'm just still kind of trying to figure out some of the questions that I have in my faith. I'm just still trying to work some stuff out. And then for some people, they come in and they experience Jesus. And they're like, okay, give me a sec. I got this. And they're crawling. And they're barely moving. And sometimes the sprinters are like, hey, come on, man. We're doing this together, right? And sometimes even the walkers are like, yeah, are you even a Christian? But the truth of Jesus is that he stood with a woman caught in adultery and said, I don't condemn you either. Sometimes we think that God is like, how dare you? Oh my me, what is wrong with you? But actually God is like, that's okay. We're, we're doing this together. No, you got this. And the expectation as we do that, and this is the beautiful thing, is it doesn't stay at just following. Eventually we start being the light. Matthew 5 says this. It says, you are the light of the world. Interesting that Jesus would call us that. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. 
Church, there's an expectation that as we start following Jesus, we actually mature. See, Jesus is fine with you crawling. He's an incredible sprinter. He's an amazing runner, but he's the best crawler you've ever seen in your life because he's willing to do your race at your pace. He's willing to get down with you in the mud and he's willing to say, I don't condemn you. But then he goes, come on, follow me, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. So that the person who's crawling, they finally straighten out and they're like, okay. And the person who's walking is like, all right, this is getting good. And the person who's sprinting, he just buys a car. Like, but the idea is that we're meant to be progressing in our faith. We're meant to be growing in our faith so that we can become the light. Church, there are people in your office. There are people in your homes. There are people in your places of work. There are friends at your school that desperately need the light of Jesus. And the incredible thing about Jesus, our God, is that he says, come and do it with me. And so the invitation to everyone in this room who calls themselves a Christian is to be the light, to be an image bearer who is being made into the image of Jesus. Paul says that when we behold him with unveiled face, we're being turned from one degree of glory to another and we reflect the image and likeness of Christ. That means that we're lights. It means that when we go to school, we shine our light. It means that when we gather here, we shine our light. It means that when we go see family that doesn't know Jesus yet, we shine our light. And we could sit around and be like, well, God, you could do that. Your spirit's hovering over the water. But sometimes the spirit is in the water. He's in the dark saying, come over here. I have a job for you. Church, we are called. We are gifted. And we are anointed to be the light to this city and in our circles. So we need to be the light. We need to follow the light. But it starts with letting the light in. So if you're in this place, Maybe you're new or visiting. And if you're being honest, you don't know Jesus. You've never met him before. You've never given your life to him. There's an opportunity for you today to step out of the darkness and into the light. And there may be some stuff, there may be some things that you're like, oh, I'm pretty embarrassed about that. But here's the great news is that Jesus goes, I don't condemn you. I killed that on the cross. That doesn't overcome me. Just come with me. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. I can give you abundant life. If you follow me, you'll never walk in darkness. You'll never be stumbling around. You'll never have that lack of purpose. You'll never struggle with sin in that way. Just follow me. So if I could just get every head bowed and every eye closed, just for the sake of privacy. If you're in this place, and that's you, even when I'm talking about this abundant life, you're like, that's what I want. I don't want this sin anymore. I don't want the things I'm struggling with anymore. I'm so, so trapped in it and I need help. There's a savior and his name is Jesus. He came down and became human. He went to a cross and he died so that your sin doesn't need to follow you anymore. And the best part is that he rose again so that you could be made new, so you could have a new life. And all you need to do is put your faith and trust in him. Say, God, I want to live your way. I want to follow you. So that's you in this place. If you know that you're ready to make that choice, 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, could you just slip your hand up so I know who I'm praying for? You want to come to know Jesus. I see that hand. I see that hand. Yep. See that hand. I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else this morning? You want to accept Jesus for the first time? Yeah, I see that hand. Come on. Father God, you see each and every single one of these hands, and I thank you for them. Lord, I thank you for these people that are making a decision to follow you. And so if you did lift your hand, I just, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. But if I could get everyone to pray this with me, the band included, we're just going to pray a simple prayer. And this isn't an incantation. It's just putting words to the decision that you're making. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you that you came for me. I thank you that you're the light. I thank you that I don't need to walk in darkness. And so now I choose to follow you. Take my life, take my heart, and help me live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.